Welcome to Catch and Release, a podcast project undertaken by more than 100 English 12 students from Sir Winston Churchill Secondary in Vancouver, BC. In these episodes, you'll be hearing about their memories, big moments from their lives, their regrets, and their dealings with mental health. We hope that after catching these stories, you find a way to release what's holding you back. Thank you for listening. Welcome. You are listening to Maze Through Anxiety. In the three episodes of this series, we'll be revealing myths about anxiety by teachers and professionals. We'll also touch on personal experiences and ways to cope with it. Hopefully, we'll be able to guide you to the right path through this confusion about anxiety. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, my name is Sarah Arnold. I'm a counsellor. I have my own private practice. And the areas that I specialise in are self-esteem, anxiety, depression, communication, anger, sort of general. So we're going to ask you some questions about anxiety, our topic of today. Okay. Um, to you, what is anxiety? Anxiety is essentially a feeling of being out of control in what's going to happen in your life. Um, it can take many forms. It can, you know, in, in terms of self-esteem, which is what I, you know, it's feeling that you have no control over your life. You have no control over what's going to happen next. You have no control over how you're going to react to it. If you come across a problem, it's just another insurmountable burden to deal with. Whereas if you have high self-esteem, you know that you can make it through. You know that it's going to be difficult, but you will come out the other side and you'll be okay. If you have low self-esteem, you don't have that. So anxiety is really this feeling of being out of control of your life, um, of circumstances around you. I mean, obviously we can't control our families and our friends and everything, but you know, if you have anxiety and you constantly worry about what is coming next, it doesn't leave a lot of room left over for living your life. Have you ever experienced anxiety or is there anyone around you who experienced anxiety? Yes, um, I have experienced anxiety and it was at a, a very low point in my life. I was very depressed and I had, um, I just had a lot of things going on and, and you know, I remember just not, not being able to do anything. My skin felt like it was crawling it was it was awful I went to the doctor and he's like oh you have anxiety and I didn't really know what anxiety was I just knew anxiety was another word for for worrying yeah and so I I had to do some some research in the good old pre-internet days I had to Mm -hmm. go to the library and look it up (laughs) that's a good way too actually it is but the internet has made life so much easier (laughs) um but it um so I really had to, to find out what anxiety was, and I, and I had some medication for it, which just, I mean, basically it was a mild tranquilizer, and it just brought me down to a level that I could operate again. But I really, that's when I really began my journey of self-discovery and learning about self-esteem, learning about anxiety, learning to love myself, learning what that meant, learning to deal with myself as a person and not hating myself, thinking I was a bad person and all that stuff. Um, I used to get a prescription from the doctor every year for, for those mild tranquilizers, but I never used to use them. Just having the prescription in my bag, I had like, I think, 
10 pills to last me the year, mm. but I never used them. But having them made me feel a lot better so that if it did happen again, I could deal with it. So again, it was it was looking into taking back control of my life. Right. Um, what kind of advice would you give people, especially teenagers, who deal with anxiety now today? Um, I would say talk about it. Um, talk about it, then you find out that you're not alone. You'll find out it's a lot more common than you think it is. Um, if you need to talk to a counselor, go talk to a counselor. Um, the school counselor might be a place to start. Um, you know, maybe you need some more intense counseling and, and you can get an outside counselor. But talk to a, talk to somebody because the more you keep it inside, the more it builds up um, like a volcano. Right. You know, you're keeping all these feelings inside and you're keeping all this stress and worry and feeling out of control inside. And of course, it's going to blow right. up and it's going to get worse. and It's going to come out in the form of anxiety attacks. Right. Because if you have an outlet for it, you can talk about it. It's important. You know, I mean, I don't know. You guys in your school are doing this project on anxiety, which is amazing. I didn't even exist when I was a kid. Um, but you know, form a group, stick up a notice and go anxiety town hall. Right. Let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think it's amazing that your generation is so open to this stuff. Um, and you have so much more knowledge than, than I ever did. So yeah. I went around school to talk to like students and teachers about anxiety. And it's surprisingly that Many students have anxiety, but not many of them like understand what anxiety is. Exactly. They just don't get what they have. And teachers, even though they do know that they have anxiety, they never let out in class. Like So students never aware that the no. teachers, they have that kind of like mental illness. Yeah. It's just well, like been hidden so well. I don't know if I call it a mental illness because giving it a label of mental illness is kind of like a diagnosis but it's definitely a mental wellness area because you can have anxiety without being diagnosed with anxiety oh, you can just okay. yeah if you just have anxiety about things but would a doctor diagnose you as having a generalized anxiety disorder or anxiety disorder don't know okay you know is it bad enough it's like being sad or being depressed Mm. You know, you can yeah. feel sad without feeling depressed, without having a clinical diagnosis of depression. So you don't think that anxiety is an illness? I think in some people it is. There definitely is an anxiety disorder or anxiety syndrome for when it's really severe. All right. Um, but I, but I, I think sometimes it's a mental, mental illness. You know, makes it sound like it's it's a disease or a syndrome or whatever. All right. But. Um, Sometimes it's a mental wellness issue rather than a mental illness issue. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank I you. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think that a certain group have a high chance of having anxiety, and why? Um, no, I I think it's like any anything. It can strike anybody anywhere. Hmm. I okay. think maybe teens are more prone to it because you know you're you're learning about life and and you know you're you're still learning and acquiring knowledge and learning about experiences and sort of how to navigate the world 
So there's a lot of stress involved with that. So maybe teens are more prone to it. But, you know, when you get into your 20s, there's a lot more going on too. And then you get into your 30s and 40s. And if you have kids, you know, you... Sorry, I don't know why I said that really loudly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you have kids and and you have career stuff going on. So there's always going to be challenges in life. Um, It's just how you deal with it. But I will say that how you deal with a lot of life it depends on how you were brought up. If you have a, a solid family life behind you, you're going to be a lot more secure in yourself. Um, if you have difficulties with family life, it tends to lead to anxieties and stuff like that in later life. So do you think like that's one of the causes of anxiety? Um, no, I don't think it's a cause. I mean, two people can come from the same family and have the same experience of life, and one will have anxiety and one won't. Um, it's just the way we're wired Um, but the the more solid upbringing you have the better chance you have of not developing these things in my experience family is like the foundation of your self-esteem I would say Mm -hmm. and mental wellness yes yeah I would say that because when you have a good foundation you go out there and you know that no matter what happened to you you, if you have a strong foundation, you know that there's always a place to come back and mm-hmm. you willing to like face adversity more than people who feel like you they don't have any place to come back if yeah. they fall. I agree. I mean, if you think about it, if you have a solid family and you know you all have the attitude of stick together through everything, we love you despite your flaws or despite your mistakes. We love you anyway, or we love you because of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gives you, it just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it models for you. Yeah. Unconditional love and mm-hmm. acceptance. Um, right. I agree. So what do you think are the main causes of anxiety? Um, I think it's the way we're wired. Like some people are just going to get it and some people aren't. You know, we all know people that just don't suffer with that. They just breeze through life. I'm not saying their lives are easy. I'm not saying their lives are wonderful, but they just, they're not plagued by anxiety. Mm. If you have anxiety, it's one of those things you have to be on a constant watch for it. Um, You know, I know I, I know I have a tendency towards anxiety. So when I start to get anxious about something or my, my brain starts running away with me, I have to just sit myself down, give myself a little bit of a talking to, um, and work my way through it. Yeah, I think that's um, a good way to like start to deal with that. Yeah, it's just something, it's like if you have a bad back, you know you can't do certain physical activities. Right. So I, I it's just something you always have to be aware of, mm-hmm. like anything. I mean, most people have something, physical, mental, whatever you know, something that they have to be aware of or an allergy that they just like, oh no, I can't eat peanuts. Just something you're always aware of and you've got to watch out for it. Right. Um, What do you think is the difference between someone who's diagnosed with anxiety and someone who's just anxious from a situation? Who just like worries a lot. Like worry a lot, yeah. What's the Um, difference between them? I think if you have a diagnosed condition of anxiety, it's going to be much more severe. Um, It can take over your life. I mean, if you can imagine 
some, some you're at home and somebody rings the doorbell. Okay. Most people will just go, oh, I wonder who that is, and answer it. Um, someone who has anxiety might be unable to answer the door. Oh. It's too scary to answer the door and to, to deal with a stranger or deal with a situation that, you know, might be that what they think is beyond their control. So they could have, and they could have a mental reaction to it or they could have a physical reaction to it and they just, they want to go hide or they start crying or something like that. If you worry, you're like, oh, I wonder who that can be. That's unusual that somebody would be ringing the doorbell at this time. Um, so but I'll, I'll, I'll still go and answer it. All right. Does that make does that make sense? So, so lower know, levels, so much like, lower level. Much lower. Yeah. I see. Yeah. And how they react to like the unknown stuff, right? Yeah, and it, worrying that it might be beyond their control. Um, and one of the things about anxiety, maybe I should have said this before, but in in terms of you know being lack of control, you can't always control your thoughts. You know, your your thoughts take off and they're going around in circles, and you can't control them and you can't stop them. Um, and so I, I very often work with clients just, and it's, it's getting awareness, like knowing that your brain has a propensity to do this, knowing that this is how you react to things. It's like, stop, take a breath, just talk to yourself, think this through, having a conversation with yourself. And, um, and there are some tips and tricks that, that you can do to, to, to stop that mental activity. Um, like what well um so this is something that was developed for ptsd sufferers um when people come back from war and stuff like that like ptsd is the most extreme form of anxiety that there is and you know if you're having a ptsd attack you are back in the situation you're back on the battlefield with bullets zinging around you you you're not even aware of of where you actually are mm-hmm. you're just your your brain has just taken over and done this right so the way to get through that and it's hard to do and it takes some practice is to use your senses to get back inside your body so distracting the brain from the thoughts by using the body wow and it's called 54321 so we have five senses so it's five things you can see four things you can hear um, three things you can feel, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. Wow. Now, if you're really, really struggling, it would be five things you can hear, five things you can see, five things you can smell, and five of everything, and then four of everything, and then three of everything, and two of everything. And by then, you should be back in your body, and oh, you know, the anxiety attack should have been greatly reduced. That's the theory, and it does work. Um, I don't deal with pe- people who have severe PTSD. That's a specialization in counseling right. and therapy. So I just say five, four, three, two, one. Five things you can see, four things you can feel, three things you can touch, you know, or whatever. Um, and that's it's quite easy. Um, you know, if you're sitting in a chair, you can feel the arms of the chair. You can feel the feet, the floor pressing up against your food. You against your feet you can feel the feel of clothes against your skin um sometimes if you in the moment you can't you know focus on seeing anything i'm like just look for colors 
what can you see that's green what can you see that's blue um uh so it's training like a form of mindfulness to be aware of things to keep everything under control now the other thing i say is that you'll very often say in a meeting with people or like you know if you're in high school you're in a class and you can't start just looking around and start touching your clothes <laughs> yeah. and feeling you know that's people would feel embarrassed yeah so what i say to people is try scrunching your toes inside your shoes oh. um and because that's a, it's literally as far away from your brain as you can get. Yeah, yeah. And you can scrunch your toes almost until it hurts, but you know you are bringing focus back to your body. Okay. Or if you're under the table, you can like squeeze your hands together, or squeeze your fingers, or clench your fists, or do whatever it takes, just to get the feelings back into your body and and distract mm -hmm. yourself from from those feelings, those thoughts. Um. I just have one more question and a couple more just like true and or false. Okay. So my last question is what are some of the biggest myths about anxiety or about self-esteem or like mental health in general that you see many people hold? Um, well, like I said before, I think that because people are so aware of anxiety and depression and, and things like that, that I, I have chronic depression myself and I take medication for it. And I really get annoyed when people say, oh, I'm so depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, you're not depressed. Depression is a thing, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I think it's the, the, the danger of the casualness sometimes of the language that we use. Right. You know, when somebody is sad, say they're grieving, they lost somebody in their family, um, and and they say, oh, it's so traumatic, or, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, in tra I'm suffering trauma. It's like, no, you're not suffering trauma, you're just going through grief, which is, you know, a, a terrible thing, and, and, you know, it it sucks to have to go through it, but um, it's not traumatic for, for most people. Some people it is, but... Um, so I think it's the, the casualness of the language yeah, that we have to I, be careful to say, oh, I'm really anxious about this or I'm really worried about this. You know, there's a world of difference between those two. Right. So I, I think that's something that um, because, you know, if you really have anxiety, to hear someone else say that they're anxious, you know, they're having anxiety about an exam, it's like you have no idea what anxiety is like. You're just nervous because you've got an exam coming up. I agree, I agree. Um, so I think that's really careful, that that's really important. And, and I think, you know, just mindfulness, just keeping an eye on our thoughts and, and actions is, is, you know, it can't be a bad thing. I wish people did it all the time. Um, so moving on to some true or false questions. Do you think that people with anxiety should avoid situations that cause them stress? Mm. Is it true or false? Yes. I, I would say false. You can't go live your life avoiding situations. But if you deal with the way you deal with stress, then you're okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Okay. <laughs> um, do you think that anxiety is generic? In terms of diagnosable diseases, Yes, it's possible, like, you know, these things like everything else that are genetic. But I also think that um, 
if your parents model for every little, everything that comes up, they get anxiety, then you'd get modeled that way. But whether you're going to have a diagnosable illness or not, I don't know. Mm, I see. That's a really interesting point. Do you think people with anxiety faint and hyperventilate a lot? Those would be extreme examples of, of anxiety symptoms. Um, so if you have it, yes. And so hopefully they would be able to get help so that they could manage their anxiety before it gets to that point. Right. Do you think that anxiety disorders are common? Uh, yeah, fairly common. I think we live in very difficult times. Um, I mean, politically, the world is not a very stable place. We have um, climate change that's, you know, so I think low levels of anxiety are, are, and, and worry are pretty normal, yeah. It just it happens everywhere, right? And I think so, everyone. Yeah. And humans, you know, most of us are wired for a little bit of worry about stuff. I think animals are too, right? Oh yeah, you should see my dog. <laughs> my dog needs therapy. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, he gets so nervous about everything. <laughs> That's adorable. In some way. Um, do you think anxiety therapy takes year to be effective? Um, no, I don't think it takes years. But having said that, if you have extreme anxiety, then maybe you need you and, and you feel comfortable with counseling and you have a good counselor, then maybe it's easier to, um, uh, maybe your life is easier if you have a regular counselor in your life. I tend to not see people every week. I, 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 I see them for every week in the beginning, then it'll go down to two weeks and then maybe three weeks or a month. And then I say, come back every month or two just for a check-in and just see how you're going. Mm. But it's my job to get people out of counseling. But yeah. if you have a severe anxiety disorder, then maybe you do need to see a counselor all the time. Um, I don't think the counseling takes years to do. It's just your comfort level with how you live your life. Right, like the exposure or like how you're willing to deal with it. Yes. Right. And lastly, do you think people with anxiety have a bad temper? Mm, no, I don't think so. Um, I think if you're worried about something, it may make your fuse a little bit shorter. But I think if you have a diagnosed anxiety condition, I think probably no, you don't have a um, a bad temper. You you would be too anxious to lose your temper. Mm, yeah, I see. But if you're worried about something, I think it might give you a little bit of a short fuse. You may like lose kind of like. Um, perspective perspective of everything and yeah. you kind of get like angry more easily i would say yeah you like, definitely can be more irritable like when you've got a lot on your mind you yeah know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say to like see things clear when you're in that exactly mm-hmm. okay that'd be everything thank That's you so it. much oh okay yeah, thank oh you <laughs> thank you so much yeah well good luck so can you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. My name is Michelle Chaters and I have a master's degree in clinical counseling from the Adler School. Into our first question, how do you differentiate someone who's diagnosed with anxiety from someone who is just anxious in a particular situation? 
Well, there's a few ways to determine if someone has one of six diagnosed anxiety disorders versus a person who's just feeling anxious. One way to differentiate it is by the stressor or lack of stressor. So normal anxiety that we can all have is a response before or during a stressful situation, like an upcoming final exam or a job interview you're going to, an argument, or starting a new job. Mm -hmm. With an anxiety disorder, a person struggles with feeling anxious almost all of the time, with no obvious source of stress. They have a difficult time just getting through the day or dealing with small responsibilities like paying a bill without feeling marked anxiousness. Another way to tell the difference between a disorder and just feeling anxious is the intensity and length of the anxiety. An anxiety disorder produces intense emotional responses, such as feeling detached, disconnected from reality, racing or negative thoughts, inability to concentrate, and also excessive physical responses like dizziness, lightheadedness, sweating, trembling, heart pounding, headaches, nausea, feeling like you can't breathe or you can't talk, and having to feel or feeling like you're going to have to pee quite a bit. <laughs> These responses are disproportionate to the stressor and last for weeks or months. Normal anxiety is fleeting, temporary, and considerably more mild. Lastly, the difference between the two is the level of impairment. An anxiety disorder affects your entire life. It impairs or interferes with your schoolwork, your job, and daily life, often causing avoidance of normal activities. Wow, that's lots of symptoms that we look at right there. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yes. For the second question, what do you think are the causes and symptoms of anxiety? Well, the causes of anxiety disorders aren't fully understood. Traumatic events appear to trigger anxiety disorders in people who are already prone to anxiety. Anxiety disorders can also be an inherited trait or caused by medication as a side effect or linked to an underlying health issue. And these examples of this would be like heart disease, diabetes, hypothyroidism, COPD, asthma, drug or alcohol withdrawal, chronic pain, irritable bowel syndrome, or some tumors even can produce a, a fight or flight hormone. Mm -hmm. Common anxiety signs and symptoms include nervousness, restlessness, a sense of impending danger, panic or doom, increased heart rate, hyperventilization, sweating, trembling, feeling weak or tired, trouble concentrating on anything other than the worry, and difficulty controlling it, trouble sleeping, gastrointestinal problems, and the urge to avoid things that trigger anxiety. Interesting. What is the most misunderstood about anxiety? Do you think many people underestimate this illness? Absolutely they do. And I think it can be really isolating for people um, when they try to express their anxiety and, and there can be a common response of, oh, just get over it or you're overly sensitive. So um, some of the things for sure that are misunderstood about anxiety uh, is that you can always tell when someone's anxious. They mm -hmm. might actually have it pretty well hidden, but inside they're terrified. Um, another misunderstanding is that if someone's anx anxious in one situation, 
that they'll always be anxious in that same or similar situation, and sometimes they're not. Another misunderstanding is that if someone is anxious, you should try to calm them down. Uh, that doesn't help them at all. And um, another misunderstanding is that people with anxiety are weak or that it's not a big deal, which I already kind of mentioned already. Yeah. yeah. That will lead me to the next question. How would you like people to behave when they approach by an anxious person? I think um, being very calm yourself and asking them uh, what might help them. And oftentimes they're hyperventilating, so you could just do something like, um, why don't you breathe with me? Hmm. So focus hmm. on what they can actually be doing in that moment. Okay. Um, you could even just start getting them to talk. You know, like, uh, my name's Michelle. What's your name? Um, do you go to school? Like, just try to engage them in a hmm. conversation because it's quite distracting and it can help them. Yeah. Um, get back to reality or like not be in that cycle of, mm -hmm. yeah. of where physiologically they're just so wound up and um, that kind of thing helps asking them if there's anybody that they can call mm -hmm. um, or that you can call to you know a friend or a family member to come and get them yeah those kind of things mm -hmm. are... kind of like distract them from yeah. the anxiety yeah um yeah. like from what i've heard anxiety is like sort of a fear of the future so when you're talking to a person with anxiety like getting them to talk is that sort of bringing them back into the present to Absolutely. distract them from you yeah because oh, yeah. yeah. they can really run with those thoughts yes. those mm, yeah. those uh catastrophic ways of thinking oh my god i'm having a heart attack mm -hmm. i'm having a heart attack and and if you just kind of bring them back and just come to your breath and mm. um, take a deep breath with yeah. me let's do that together and yeah see how we're breathing right now and everything's so calm and we're just sitting here and that mm. kind of approach is yeah. really really good yeah that's a really good approach yeah here is another interesting question is that is anxiety a pervasive problem in mental health from my experience uh, and i've been working in the field for a, a long time now i have kind of come to the conclusion that underneath every diagnosis and every mental health issue, there is always a certain degree of anxiety underneath that. So one of the things that I do when I'm first meeting with somebody is already start working on a plan of how to decrease their anxiety. Just that alone in the first session, giving them maybe some breathing exercises. Um, I might do hypnosis with them. I might actually demonstrate specific meditations. Um, anything I can do to give them a tool so that when they leave, they already feel equipped to at least deal with the anxiety underneath everything else. Right. And even if that only helps them 20% or 15%, that's that much less that, mm -hmm. of a burden that they're carrying. And they're much more likely in the next session to be able to look at some of the the painful things that they want to discuss or the things they want to change in their life because um, the, uh, the the level of anxiety has decreased. Yeah, so they're more likely to face the problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, interesting. I'm a big believer in giving people homework. So <laughs> they, they work on that in the time that they're not working with me and that gives them a real sense of accomplishment out there that it's not their therapist doing it, 
that they're doing it. They're the yeah, yeah. masters of mm -hmm. their future and how they're going to deal with. They can take control exactly. of what they yeah. control in the future. Yeah, that's right. Interesting. Uh, so we're going to have some um, yes no question for you. Okay. True or false? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Do you think people with anxiety should avoid situations that cause them stress? I think if the anxiety is so pervasive and shuts them down to the point that they are in a panic attack, having a panic attack or having an anxiety attack, they need to take a step back and figure out how to deal with smaller stressors first. Because mm -hmm. okay. if they can have a win with something that's way more benign, that's going to build on itself and then they can try something a little harder and mm -hmm. win at that and then try something a little harder. So to me, it's how severe their reaction is to whatever that situation is. If they just have anxiety, I think absolutely it's better to go and face that. Mm, I see. And they can do things to make sure that they've got a friend with them or that they have a checklist like a pilot taking off. They always kind of go flaps down you know, fuel gauge, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. they can kind of have a checklist mm -hmm. if they know they're going to go into a situation where they have some general anxiety, where they take out their piece of paper and remind themselves, oh yeah, breathe, focus on this, remind myself that I can leave if I want to, whatever their checklist is, right? Yeah. I think it's much better for them to go face it and see that they can master it. Right. Mm -hmm. The process that you just say, I feel like that's the process of how you gradually um, expose to the problem so eventually you can get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's mm. a little bit like uh, aversion therapy. If you're terrified of spiders <laughs> and you just look at a book that says spiders and then you open the book eventually and you touch the picture of the spider and then you go out front of a pet store that sells spiders but you don't go in. And then you go into the pet store and you look at the spiders. Like so, there's a progression. Small steps, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that will let the person who's doing that a sense of achievement. Exactly. Like they doing stuff. They mm -hmm. actually overcoming their fear, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that will lead to the consequence. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you think anxiety is generic? I don't think anybody can answer that question definitively. Um, I think that definitely you can, it seems like there's a familial pattern that if a grandmother has high anxiety, it then is interesting that there's a daughter and a son and a grandson and they all seem to have that anxiety. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if uh, there's any marker for it the way there is chromologically for other things. Um, that's true. That mm. makes sense. Because since it's a um, mental illness, it's hard to prove. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see. Do you think people with anxiety faint and hyperventilate a lot? Not nearly as much as they think they do. I don't know the stats on it, but if I think back to the people I've worked with who have anxiety, and I ask those kinds of questions because it's quite, um, it helps me to know if this person almost has a coping method now mm -hmm. of fainting. Okay. 
because sometimes things can get a little complicated. It's not just anxiety. It's I want to avoid life. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so look at me fainting again. Now I don't have to go do that. Mm. So I will ask questions to kind of tease out if there's any other purpose behind their anxiety. Oh. And um, I've found that people who have like a generalized anxiety disorder, they're not fainting and having anxiety impacts and panic attacks nearly to the degree that they think they are. They're so terrified that they're going to have them. So they just like exaggerate the symptoms? Not intentionally, but yes. Oh, okay. Because they're already in that place of, mm -hmm. of like catastrophizing and worrying and negative thoughts. Yeah. So if you're obsessing about things all the time, mm -hmm. you have a tendency to think then that it's much worse than it yes. really is. Yes. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, do you think anxiety disorders are common? Disorders? I, I don't think they're common. Anxiety? Very common. Anxiety is common, but not anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. Like a full-blown anxiety disorder? Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's extremely common. Um, okay. I think there's more depression. Oh, okay. But I could be wrong. Like, you can go look that up and, and compare those two. Um, I'm kind of basing a lot of my information on the years that I've worked in the field. But there's definitely a low-level degree of anxiety in most people I meet. In a way, we all have anxiety, I think. Yeah. 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 Anxiety therapy takes you to be effective. I think you need to find a new therapist. <laughs> so it depends <laughs> on your severity of your anxiety as well, right? Yes, but I've done... So I'm a brief therapist. So that means my philosophy and my training is that Therapy is meant to be a short term. Mm. Um, it's not about creating a dependency on your therapist. Mm -hmm. So you should be able to make some market changes going to your therapist and figuring out some different strategies and coping techniques to deal with your anxiety. Maybe there's medication mm -hmm. added to that. Um, so they'd work in conjunction with a psychiatrist. Uh, maybe there's some naturopathic things that they're using. Um, like Ignatia or um, Rescue Remedy or, mm. um, you know, even Cava Cava can help with some stuff. Um, figuring out how to help their sleep. You know, there's many different things you can do, uh, like as a multi-faceted approach to help someone with anxiety. So that I think that they should be on their way to being improved within a couple of months. Right maybe three months mm -hmm. and now they need to go out into the world and prove to themselves that they have made some uh, strides forward and live out in the real world right. if they need to come back because something specifically happens in their life let's say they lose their job and their anxiety spikes again then of course it makes sense to come back into therapy if it worked with that therapist and get some help around that that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, last question. Mm -hmm. People with anxiety have a bad temper, true or false? False? Wait, that's an interesting question. Um, I've never really heard anybody say that somebody... Like, depression in men can look like 
anger. Oh wow! Irritability. Really? I didn't notice. Rage. Yeah, it's kind of it's a cultural issue. Like, men aren't really allowed to cry. Oh yeah. They aren't allowed to um, whine or complain, which of course I'm not equating that with depression, but this culture definitely will kind of imply that you know don't be so weak mm -hmm. yeah. get on with your life and they have a significant depression so men express their depression through anger yes because mm. oh, it's more culturally yeah. acceptable Accepted. yeah, yeah. Okay. so i've heard that that they can be considered grumpy um but i've never i, I don't i've never heard anybody come and say to me you know somebody my partner is, has tons of anxiety and she's so difficult to be around because she's just always so irritable and crabby. Uh, I can't say I've ever. So, do you think that's that. like a kind of like gender issue? With anxiety? Yeah. I think there's a gender issue with most mental illnesses. Mm, okay. Um, but probably maybe the most is depression because it seems to be more acceptable in our culture that a woman can be crying and sad. Mm -hmm. And she's also much more likely to go talk to her friends and go into all the details about why she's yes. so sad. So let's say she has a situational depression because her spouse died. She will get better quicker. Whereas if he's the one whose spouse died, he may not open up to anybody Anyone, yeah. and just stuffs it all and tries to be so tough. And, and then to be it, happy and move on with yeah. life and all of that. And then it's going to come out later. Mm. Probably, and maybe he's, he's going to get sick, or his back's going to go out on him, or um, he's going to have problems at work, or he's going to be very irritable. Mm, um, How's gender issue is present in um, anxiety then? Again, I guess it would just be the same kind of situation. But although it's um, like if you see a man on the side of the road hyperventilating, I don't it's think mo most people are going to be like, suck it up. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's probably much less of a degree of a gender issue with anxiety attacks or panic attacks. Mm -hmm. right. But generalized anxiety disorder, like just somebody who often is fearful and worried and um, or let's say something like agoraphobia, mm -hmm. which has a tremendous amount of anxiety with it. Yeah. I think that our culture would judge the man more harshly than the woman. That's a double standard. Yes, it is. Oh. <laughs> man is tough. Being man is tough. Yeah, too. it is. <laughs> yeah. That's a lesson today. Okay. Thank you so much for meeting. So it was nice meeting you both. Yes. Answered your questions. Yes. Yes. Thank you for answering our questions, and we're going to now end this. Through its journey, we looked at anxiety from a scientific point and social point. From psychologists, we learned true facts about what anxiety is really about and have proven some students wrong, corrected common stereotypes around this topic. Hopefully, through this way of discovery, these facts can really stick to you. Socially, we undercovered how this disorder affects a person individually and when interacting with others, as well as how people who are not diagnosed should act around them. We now know that anxiety is not just about people having nervous breakdowns. There's way more to it than what meets the eye. It really isn't something to make a big deal about. Have proper treatments, don't be shy to let out your thoughts to close ones and it shouldn't affect or make you any different than quote-unquote normal people. 
Life goes on, and you can be happy with anxiety. Pick the one you like. Edited by Ellie and Scarlett. Scripted and dialogue by Tanya and Roslyn. Interviewed by Roslyn, Tanya, Scarlett, and Ellie. Sound from soundbible.com and freesound.org.